Welcome to the Further Light Podcast, presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I present to you, Brother Chris Ludke. Listeners, scholars, brothers, this is Brother Chris Lincoln. Today I want to explore, well, public speaking, which I do a lot. I teach and sometimes these things work out well and sometimes they don't. But I want to go over some rules of public speaking. I don't want to deal with the sort of dull rules about stand up straight and project your voice and all of this. What I want to do is go with a guide that I used when I started teaching a book that I read, and I'll go through uh, the pertinent content. The book is, and I need to bring up my web browser here, uh, TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking by Chris Anderson. And this book is fantastic for educational presentations. It's got some very solid points behind it. And they tend to work really well. There's a reason why TED Talks took off. There's a reason why people will watch them and spend their time, their free time, listening to them. They're very effective. So I want to look at this as the basis for how we can give good talks, good education. And remember, rhetoric, of course, is one of the seven liberal arts and sciences. And that is the art of persuasion, the art of public speaking. So that's what I want to deal with today. And what we're going to be dealing with is, again, kind of going through the speaker's guide from TED. And this is created, this is basically a summary of the book that uh, Chris Anderson put out. And again, fantastic content. So really, when you look at TED Talks, one of the first things you need to understand is there's a specific time limit. In fact, it's 18 minutes. Why 18 minutes? Because it's a good amount of time to get some depth in a topic and at the same time maintain interest level. You can have an incredibly interesting speaker who goes on for three hours and you go, oh my gosh, this is just, I can't, there's too much. 20 minutes, we can absorb it. We can take in that information. It generally works. The audience is going to be good and focused on this one subject at a time in this relatively short chunk. And so that 15 to 20 minute time frame is really one to aim for if you're giving Masonic education. And really, you don't want to go much longer. Uh, If you go shorter, that's fine. You've all heard really short talks that were really fantastic, well-given, great content, but there, there is that upper limit. Try not to go over that 20 minutes. So how do you develop the idea? Well, what makes a good idea for a talk in the first place? What you want is something that's going to be new, maybe surprising, or challenge a belief that your audience already has. Or it could be a great basic piece of information or idea with a compelling new argument behind it. The idea isn't just a story or a list of facts. A good idea takes evidence or observation and draws a larger conclusion. When you're doing Masonic education, what that means is don't just pick up the latest uh, 
short talk bulletin or pick up a book and read from it. You have to understand there's a difference between written and spoken language. There's a different way in which we tend to use words and ways that we put our ideas out there. So you want to focus on something that's going to be spoken language or you need to translate it into spoken language, which is not always the easiest thing in the world. We've all heard speakers get up and just read material. Create a narrative within whatever your presentation is. In my case, I like to do an introduction. I like to give them the thesis. In other words, usually I say, these are my goals. And then I like to start at the beginning, the origins, the definitions, etc., before jumping into interpretations and what it means to masonry. But you can use whatever form you want. You just want to guide the viewer, the listener through a story. And it doesn't have to be a story in the typical sense. You just want to guide them through the material so that they understand how they got from A to B. If someone doesn't understand that, you've lost them already. Do you need to be an expert? And the answer is no. Uh, you don't need to be the foremost expert, but you do need to have an expertise of some form. Uh, so please remember that the audience relies on you to give accurate information. So whatever you say in your talk, make sure you're fact-checking it, especially facts that you might take for granted, statistics, historical anecdotes, ideas that we've passed on through masonry that may or may not be exactly true. Go back and double-check them. That could be the topic of a fantastic statement or fantastic talk. If you're drawing an example from uh, somewhere that's not your main area of knowledge, use research from widely accepted sources. And if at all possible, consult with experts if you can. When I'm looking at putting material together for the podcast, presentations, etc., in masonry, I try to look at as many sources as I can and take in as much as I can on that topic. And if it's a 20-minute presentation, I might limit myself. So, hey, I'm going to spend you know, a couple of hours reading through material that's available. And what you're going to notice is a lot of repetition, but you're also going to notice the main themes of that information. That's what you need, those main themes. You need to, you know, so you recognize that if one author says this thing that seems a little out there and no one else repeats it, there's probably a reason for it. Is your idea ready? Well, write your idea down in one to two sentences and ask yourself three basic questions. Is your idea new in the sense that has someone else recently done that presentation? Have they dealt with that topic? Are you telling people something that you're pretty sure uh, they haven't heard before? Your audience, it could be your lodge, it could be whomever. Number two, is it interesting or can you make it interesting? Think about how your idea may apply to a room full of a variety of people. Who might be interested in it? And finally, is it factual and realistic? This is important. You don't want to go off on a tangent that you can't prove. And if you're going to make an extraordinary claim, you must provide extraordinary evidence. So make sure that you're doing that. If you're going to say that aliens started the Illuminati, which gave rise to the Masons through the birth of the sun god Ra, or whatever the thing is, you need to create, or you need to find evidence to prove that that's the case. You can't just say, okay, this is clearly the case because this other person that I respect said it. 
because they may not have expertise. So make sure you're double checking things. Make an outline and a script. So this is how you're going to start actually forming your presentation. Usually you use some kind of outline and I'm going to give you a basic structure for a talk. And there's a lot of theories about what makes a great presentation. There's no single trick. But one way of doing it would be start by making your audience care. Use some kind of intriguing idea, a hook, something to draw them in. This is typically your introduction. Then explain whatever your idea is. Explain your teaching clearly and do it with conviction. Do not just sit there and read it to them. They can do that more quickly themselves. Reading in your mind is much faster than being read to. Tell us what your evidence is. What are your sources? How and why these ideas could be implemented. So the implementation, especially in Masonic education, is going to be particularly important. It's one thing to understand the square, but then how do we apply it to our lives? How do we actually make use of it? If we don't know, then it doesn't do us any good. It's just a really fancy thing that hangs on some old buildings. End your talk by addressing how this idea, whatever you're discussing, could affect your audience if they were to accept it. If you're offering interpretation, for example, then say, here's the advantages of this interpretation. But I would also say, hey, this is just an interpretation. And so keep that in mind when you're looking at my idea. Because interpretations aren't meant to be the end-all be-all. The interpretation is there to get people thinking. And so sometimes reminding people of that. The structure should be more or less invisible. So you don't talk about how you're going to talk about the topic. You just talk about it. So let's break this down a little bit further. Those are some basic areas. So your introduction, a strong introduction is going to be crucial. You need to draw the audience in. Drawing them in with something they care about. So start with a clear statement of what your idea is or what you're teaching or what your topic is. If it's something that most people don't think about, start off by invoking something that they do think about a lot and relate your concept to it. If the idea is something fun, but not something the audience would ever think about, open with a surprising and cool fact or declaration of relevance, not a statistic. Statistics are horrible. They're boring to try and deal with. And we don't like numbers as humans in terms of things that we're dealing with solely in our mind. If it's a really heavy topic, something like the immortal soul or Masonic funeral, something like that, find an understated and frank way to get off the ground. Don't force people to be emotional right away. This will make them very uncomfortable if you do. So you want to think of it like the theatrical plot model. You need to have some exposition. That's your introduction. What's the problem? And then you want to work them up through the rising action to a climax and bring them back down through your presentation. You want to get your idea out as quickly as possible. Give us the thesis. Give us the argument. Give us your idea and do it in the first few sentences. Don't make us wait. Don't focus too much on yourself. This isn't about you. It's about your idea. It's about the education. It's about the teaching or the tool or the history or whatever else. And don't ever open with statistics. That's just never going to work. 
in terms of the body and presenting your topic and evidence, make a list of all the evidence you want to use. Think about items that your audience already knows about and things that you'll need to convince them of. In other words, if you gave a speech or a presentation a week ago on a specific topic, use that as a jumping off point into your present topic. Because if you can chain things together a little bit, it will make it more relevant. Something that the podcast does not always do real well, but that uh, my producer is constantly on me to get on that. Put in order all the items in your list based on what a person needs to know before they can understand the next point. And always go from the least exciting to the most exciting. If you're looking at interpretations of Masonic tools, for example, then what you would want to do is go from the most basic interpretation to the most complex, since the most complex is typically built upon the most basic. Now, cut out everything you can without losing the integrity of your argument. You'll most likely need to cut things that you think are important. It's going to happen. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to be concise. Spend more time on new information, so information that the audience may not have. You need to remind them occasionally of the old, but you need to spend a lot of time on the new. Don't use too much jargon, and if you use terminology, any kind of specialized terminology, make sure you define it. Because an EA in the room might not understand what it means. Respectfully address any controversies that are in your claims. So if you're laying claim, if you're laying out a claim of something, making an argument, and there's some controversy associated with it, make sure you say something about that. Make sure you address it. Otherwise, people will see confirmation bias. Uh, in other words, you're creating an argument without ever taking into account the other side. Don't ever let citations interrupt the flow of explanation. In other words, when you're presenting your material, you can say, Anderson says, but that'd be about it, and I wouldn't do it repetitiously. That's where you can hand out a works cited page, you can put a bibliography on a slide, you can do any number of other things, but don't let those sources get in the way. It tends to break up the flow. And slides are a whole other thing. You don't always need visuals. But we'll deal with those in a minute. The conclusion. The conclusion is really one of those things that people don't understand. It's a, it's a funnel. You're going from the basic down to the specific, and then in, that's the introduction. And then in the conclusion, you're flipping the funnel, and you're going back out to the basic. What the conclusion does is it revisits the points that you've made. It quickly and concisely, in a paragraph or so connects those points, and then it gives the audience a takeaway. That last line or two should be the takeaway, the thing that if they learn nothing else, they get these two lines of really good information. Use a call to action. That's always a really effective way of doing it. Once you've created your outline, start writing a script. Be concise, but write in a way that feels natural. I highly recommend speaking and writing. Some people use voice-to-text programs, whatever else, but you want to get that spoken voice, not that written voice, in there. People will pick up on it. In terms of slides, just keep in mind that A, you don't always need them. There's a lot of topics that can be covered that really don't need them or maybe need one. 
If I'm dealing with a certain point within a circle, I might want one image of that slide and that's it. There's no need for anything else. What it does is it stops distracting from the speaker. Um, in terms of making slides, PowerPoint is great, but there are a few things that you need to keep in mind. In terms of images, they're always good. Images are good. It gives people a second form of learning modality. In other words, they're learning with their eyes and with their ears. That being said, all graphics should be incredibly clear. The biggest file you can find. And no slide should support more than one point or it's one slide. There's nothing in between. So you're either clicking slides regularly or you're sticking to one, maybe two, but generally one as a background that's just there to remind people of the topic. Use as little text as possible in any slide. The audience is reading. They're not listening. And don't read off the slide. Because the audience is reading it in their mind much faster than you're reading it in person. There's a lot about slide formatting, but the real basics are don't ever use a font size smaller than 36 because you want people in the back of the room to read it. Don't ever use a font that's hard to read. So keep it as clear and concise as possible. Really aim for images, and the only times you would use words would be things like definitions or very specific uh, bullet points. So at the end of the day, that's going to be important. Keep the slides simple. You want them to listening to you, not focused on the slides. Then rehearse. Uh, you need to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. You cannot do it too much. As we know as Masons, if you've learned the lectures, you know what I'm talking about. You have really two choices. You can either work with notes or you can memorize it. There is no in-between. If you don't feel like you've memorized it, take the notes. And make sure the notes are just notes. You're not walking there with the whole script because you're going to lose yourself in it. Create a much more condensed version that you can see from a distance. So if it's sitting on a podium, you can see it from standing up without putting on extra glasses or anything else. If you're walking around with it, make sure it's large font. I always use 16, 18 point font, uh, sometimes 14 point font to create these notes so that I can just look down. And the only written out parts of the notes are quotations or things that need to be correctly stated where the exact verbiage is going to be particularly important otherwise it's just point 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 it's just keeping me on task hopefully i'm familiar enough with the material and typically it's going to take several hours of looking over your material if you want to get to the point of memorization notes it might take an hour of reading over your material after you've written it and just making sure you're very very familiar with it you do not want to end up seeming unsure of yourself or of the material. In terms of timing, time yourself. Make sure that you are hitting the mark for whatever your time is. Uh, in terms of posture, some of us walk around. Some of us just stand in one place. Make sure you're happy with the posture that you're showing. Moving around and looking at different people in the audience is usually the most effective. And I can watch people 
pick people out in the audience every few seconds. I'm changing my gaze, but I'm making a point and I'm looking at that person. And if that person or the people around them start looking confused, I immediately can backtrack and clarify. And so you use it to read the audience without making the audience feel really awkward because you're staring at one person in the back of the room. So everyone's a little different. That being said, if you're at a podium, do not grip onto the podium and feel free to walk away from the podium. People like informality in their presentations. It feels more natural. Uh, find out if there's the ability to do a dress rehearsal uh, or whatever else you're using. Make sure if you're using technology that it works, that you've tried it before you're standing in front of 20, 30, 40 of your brothers or more and have a plan for if it doesn't. Also, humor. Humor is always good, but not all jokes land with everyone. Be willing to sit there and say, well, that was a joke, but it didn't really work. Um, People will get it. They will forgive you. They will forgive the speaker. Uh, And that's probably not the part they're going to remember anyway. If you give a 20-minute great presentation, the one joke fails, they're not going to remember that part. And then give your talk. Inhale, exhale, make sure you have water if you need it. And do it like you practiced. At the end of the day, when you're giving a presentation, it doesn't matter if it's in front of 5, 50, or 500 people. The rules are exactly the same. And where people get particularly nervous is they're worried about what are they going to look like? What is the audience going to think? And the truth is... All those things that we're very self-conscious of, does my suit look right, is my tie straight, everything else, the audience doesn't care. The audience is there to hear what you have to say. And so focus on that. And if something goes wrong, fine. Next time, learn from it, and next time, don't do that. And savor the glory. Once you're done, bask in the praise that you get over how you seem so relaxed and spontaneous when in reality you've put a lot of work into putting this together. What you want to do is aim to look natural. It's just like the lectures. We want them to look natural, even though that language definitely is not. We want to look like this is something we've done a hundred times before. And I'll give you a secret. My secret is, and I'm very much a procrastinator, I write the material days before I give it. Right at the end. Because then I'm most familiar with the material, with the topic, with the sources. And when I go in, it's all fresh in the mind. If it's something that I've written before and I'm presenting again for some reason, then I spend an hour going over that material refreshing my memory in terms of what was there so that I can give that natural presentation or hopefully natural presentation. That being said, don't get highly energetic. If you tend to be someone who's a little bit slower in their presentation or a little lower energy, that's fine. Do that. You don't have to suck down three cups of coffee. Just make sure that it's you coming out. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try and mimic another speaker that you really like because it will come across as inauthentic. You want your audience to see this as a representation of you, who you are, and your knowledge base. Now, why have I gone through all this? Because at the end of the day, if you're going to present Masonic Education in the Lodge, it's good to present it 
and sometimes read it or whatever. But hopefully these tips will help you create a better presentation, draw the brothers in, make it something that they're going to be interested in. And by the way, you can do the same thing if you are reading that article from the Masonic Journal uh, or whatever other source. Go over it. Read over it numerous times. You're not trying to memorize it. What you're trying to do is minimize the number of times that you have to look down at the page. And so you know more or less where this is going. It also allows you to ad-lib because if you're familiar with the material, you can add content that is your own on top of it and make it better to understand. Everyone needs that help in a written article. There have been a number of times here where I've read articles on the podcast and I've added material because there's something that I felt was missing that the general brother, the general listener, might want to know. And so the more familiar you are with whatever material it is you're presenting, the better you're going to be at it. And once again, the book that I was referring to is TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking by Chris Anderson. You can get it on Amazon. There are probably PDF copies online, so it's all over the place. I strongly recommend listening to it, reading it. It's going to help your public speaking. And 20 minutes is a magical number, and one that I've run over here, seeing as how I've run to probably 24 minutes or so. Thank you for joining me, Brother Chris Lidke, and the entire Further Light team on your quest to find more light through masonry. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org to learn more about masonry and access further educational content and more light. Once again, that address is wimasons.org. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wisconsinmasons.org. And thank you for listening.